everyone, I'm Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. This independent production is sustained by a thriving community of mystics on Patreon, who, for a small monthly contribution, get access to exclusive astrological forecasts, horoscopes, bonus episodes, and tarot spreads, all created by me to help you live your most magical life. If you're ready to join us, head over to patreon.com slash badastro and make it official. Another excellent and easy way to show your support is to leave a positive review on iTunes. Share what you love about listening so more people can find us in the future. And as always, stay up to date with new episodes and releases on Twitter and Instagram at Bad Astrologers. And finally, if there's a topic you'd like to hear covered on the podcast or someone you'd like to hear a conversation with, send an email to badastrologers at gmail.com. I love hearing from you, so don't hesitate to reach out. Now, time for the episode. I've known for a while that I wanted to have Kira Taborn on the podcast. She's the astrologer behind the astrology, which has been a bright spot in my Twitter and Instagram feeds, and I'm sure a lot of other people's as well. Her approach to the stars blends modern astrology with Hellenistic techniques seamlessly, and she was gracious enough to chat with me about it in the conversation that follows. We nerd out on Saturn signs as generational markers, sharing a chart ruler, and falling in love with the night sky. She doesn't shy away from the tough questions either, which I so admire. And I learned some new things, like the difference between being an activist and an organizer. It's a good one, so sit back, relax your shoulders, take a deep breath, and let's start the show. Hi, Kira. Thank you so much for joining me on Bad Astrologers today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you, a fellow Scorpio. I promise this isn't like a Scorpio's only show. Um, <laughs> we've just had like a, a spell of, of Scorpio guests, but um, yes, I have lots of questions, so hopefully we can get to most of them. But first and foremost, I want to ask you the traditional bad astrologers introductory question which is what's your earliest memory of being sort of drawn to spirituality whether that's astrology or the occult or tarot that's a great question um i i think my earliest memory would be um my dad making me memorize all the planets and their order from the sun and that's not really like spirituality per se but um that's kind of what i like my dad's fascinate fascination with space i think is what originally like that passed down to me as like yeah just this fascination with like what is beyond us um mm-hmm. i've always i kind of like always knew and that sorry that happened when I was around eight or nine um and yeah I've always knew that I was a Scorpio I've always known that um my dad's also a Scorpio so we share that but um 
yeah his birthday is actually two days before yours um but yeah there was that and then I just like I found recently found a letter that I wrote to myself um and I was like eight years old and I signed it with like my my birth date and my birth time (laughs) wow so it's like I've always yeah I've I've always kind of had this thing for birthdays and like knowing that they were special and important like when I was a kid I knew everyone's birthday and that was like my thing was that I just knew everyone's birthday and I would always remind people this so-and-so's birthday is coming um and I just cared a lot about birthdays as a kid so yeah not knowing that it would like literally become my entire (laughs) life but yeah I've always been into being a Scorpio that is such a good story and I feel like so many of us had that sort of like instead of just like astrology or mysticism like a fascination with the natural world at a young age but mm-hmm. I think you have most other guests beat with them eight years old is really young that's super adorable and I love it <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't until I was like 11 or 12 which I think was my like my Jupiter return my first Jupiter return when I Start, started to like research astrology so that was like the beginning of the internet too but mm-hmm. um I remember being in like sixth grade and like googling the signs and mostly to figure out like which signs were most compatible with one another um like you and do, so yes. yeah yeah I mean I was like a little boy crazy like 12 year old (laughs) um but yeah so that's kind of when I like first started to really start to like learn about astrology but yeah it's been with me forever I love that I think your chart kind of reflects that too I mean Pisces rising you're always going to be drawn to the mystical side of things from a very very early age um so I'm curious when then your like astrology journey started like properly like to put you on the path to becoming a professional is there like a specific event or experience or book that kind of made you say like oh wow yes this is for me yeah i think so i um where do i even begin i guess it was it was 2012 when saturn entered scorpio the fall of 2012 mm-hmm. when i first learned that there was more than just your sun sign and it was actually another Scorpio (laughs) who um who was like I was just you know in college like we were all hanging out at her apartment like drinking smoking whatever and she's like did you know that there was like more to your sign like you have like a moon sign and like a rising (laughs) sign and I was like what I remember thinking okay, this is like, this is something that I should be telling other people and like, not like, I should know about this already. Um, and so <laughs> I remember and that that night, I figured out I found out that I was a Pisces rising. Um, and that just felt really right for me. I was like, Oh, okay, yeah. And then um, and then maybe like a month, or maybe even just a couple weeks later, I was home for like a holiday break. And, um, yeah, that was in December 2012. And I saw, I typed in like birth chart calculator or something in Google and I've put my info in. I remember seeing my chart for the first time and just kind of majorly freaking out. Like, 
it was just this really powerful moment of like feeling like I was being witnessed by the universe and like seeing myself in like this 2D like this it was just a very very special moment for me I'll never forget that so that's like what and then I didn't sleep that night I just I literally did not sleep I just kept researching (laughs) and learning more and more um and yeah that's when I first kind of became like super into it and that was Saturn entering my ninth house where all my Scorpio stuff is um but then so that's that's where it began and then um around I think 2016 2015 was when I first yeah it was like summer of 2015 when I first like launched my first social media like platforms or whatever uh Instagram and had like a Snapchat and I was just like you know wanted to talk about astrology so much but didn't feel like I I felt like I was like annoying people on my regular feed so I was like I'm gonna create (laughs) another like you know other social media pages so I can just talk about astrology and anyone who wants to be like you know listen can do that there and then um about a year later I was working at an ad agency and we had do you know slack yeah absolutely so there like we had you know a slack for the whole agency and this is like a worldwide agency so there's people from Mm -hmm. all over the world in it um and I created a slack channel called astrology and um that's where I would I just like what kind of practice writing and posting things and people kept being like you know what's going on today and so I would like kind of give updates there um and that's really what got me started like writing and talking to people more and more I've already been talking like and doing charts but not for money just it was like every person I would meet basically would do their chart (laughs) um and just got like years and years of practice from doing hundreds of charts but that's when I started writing and realized like okay there's something here and I already I have been thinking about astrology as like you know oh this is something I'll do when I retire like you know later on in life I'll be an astrologer (laughs) and (laughs) then um like the more and more working at this ad agency and like hating hating it and um just being more and more like worn out and then realizing like I just didn't give two shits about like any of the projects that I was working on like I just didn't care about Verizon and Samsung enough to like (laughs) to like keep like you know killing myself for this work um and so eventually you know I quit that job I elected a really great um, I got a really good election for quitting that job and it's been almost exactly two years since I left because it was the first, it was a solar eclipse in cancer. It was my last day and we just had the final solar eclipse in cancer this year. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. Just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It was it. actually just like a week and a half ago. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, when I realized like I needed to figure out a way to do astrology full time and it took mm-hmm. like a year and a half after that. So then I got another job. Um, but that ended in February and since March 1st, I've been full time astrology. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank and right you. on your Saturn return too. 
I was yes. looking. It's not. It's not like Saturn just went into your sign. It's like you are having the Saturn return. So <laughs> yeah, how are you yeah. Feeling? How's that going for you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I've had two exact Saturn returns in the past, like mm-hmm. two, three months. Um, I have to be honest. Like, I, I'm realizing how, um, like, what it's like to have such a well-placed Saturn. My Saturn is like one of the strongest Uh planets in my chart. And so um, I've been seeing it as I've been experiencing, you know, what such a strong Saturn in a well-placed, I should say well-placed and highly dignified because it's, it's not just strong. It's um, you know, it's, in the 12th house, which is the house of its joy. It's in its own sign. It's direct. Um, and it's not really receiving any, yeah, Yeah. it doesn't have any like bad aspects. Um, and it's a day chart too. So that makes Saturn a little bit easier to work with. And, um, yeah, it's in my 12th house and it's been very, I mean, like I predicted that I would have to be, um, isolated. That was like one of my predictions that, you know, there would there be something that happens. House isolation. That would, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and what I, I thought I was taking advantage of that by moving to LA, but, um, COVID happened and kind of po- postponed that move. Oh. So, um, I am moving in a couple of weeks now, but it's just been, Lovely. yeah, it's been really, I've been learning so much and I'm so, so, so grateful for like my relationship with Saturn and the way, and just like also having prepared for this for seven years, literally (laughs) (laughs) Um, since my Saturn square, like my closing Saturn square when astrology came into my life, like I've, you know, Mm -hmm. been preparing for this. And so, um, it's just weird that it's finally here, but it's been, um, I don't want to say great because that just sounds <laughs> weird, but I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, like I'm very... kind of a Saturn stan. So like, okay, yeah, you I, have I think first, Saturn can so. be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, that coupled with the Venus retrograde has just been really lovely in the sense that like, I just feel like really blessed. I don't know. I'm, I feel really blessed. That's such a wonderful thing. And I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. And I, I was thinking about your Saturn as well, because you recently did a really awesome post on Instagram and Twitter, both about um, the Saturn signs of millennials. So Mm -hmm. like you broke down the sort of like Pluto and Scorpio generations to be you know like I have my Saturn in Sagittarius and there's people like older than me that have Saturn in Scorpio and you have yours in Aquarius and I I think about um the Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and Aquarius people all the time because it seems mm-hmm. like from from what I've seen with clients like it depends on like the placement of course but overall there's like a sense of like comfort with the realm of Saturn or um just like ready to dive in and do the work and and seeing it as more of a opportunity than like the universe is going to put the hammer down on you even though that can still happen yeah. but yeah yeah I, yeah that's exactly it I've, I've noticed that as well especially because i'm becoming more and more friends with um 
and also having more and more clients with Saturn and Aries, which is in its fall. It's making the contrast between like the Gen Z folks with Saturn and Aries versus the millennials with Saturn and Capricorn and Aquarius. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. I can very, very much see the way that like Saturn and domicile works versus Saturn and fall. It is so dramatically different. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Um, I'm often like really envious of people who have this like super well-placed Saturn because mine is a part of my mutable grand cross like right there in the first house I feel Mm -hmm. like yeah I'm like the kid who like can't sneak out late or else your parents are (laughs) gonna catch you like but forever like that'll never end (laughs) you can't get away with anything yeah no it makes you really like uh responsible and strict with yourself but sometimes you're like man I wish I could just stay out and smoke with my friends you know right (laughs) it is what it is yeah I kind of I can I can sort of relate to that with Saturn in the 12th in the sense that like yeah for me it's really been about um not fully being able to like let go like not fully being able to just um enter that 12th house space of like merging or like release total and complete release you know where like if you oh yeah you know tripping on whatever hallucinogens like it's really hard for me to ever feel like i can get out of my body basically um it's hard to like yeah it's a weird um it's a weird thing i've noticed with like a strong 12th house saturn it's yeah it's like saturn's just there grounding you the whole time it's like you don't yeah it's like yeah exactly keeps pulling Mm. me back (laughs) i do think i was thinking about the fact that i think there's something so poetic about um the the astrology slack channel and that sort of corresponding to saturn and aquarius obviously with like aquarius being social media and the internet right showing up like super prominent and how you got your start i feel like my saturn kind of shows up in a similar way because i got started mostly doing like horoscope columns through online Mm. publications mostly fashion and beauty which is like a big big sagittarius vibe um yeah i can't i can't wait to see what more saturn and aquarius folks like how they bring astrology forward and what mediums are used i can't even imagine the saturn in aries crowd at this point (laughs) (laughs) they are fun i will say that what i will say about saturn and sag and you have the exact conjunction with uranus um you guys are the most fun like the most fun out of the millennials by far is the saturn and sag well thank you (laughs) (laughs) my definitely like some of my favorite millennials i think are the saturn and sag just because it's like if you want to go out dancing well like obviously we can't do that now but um you want to go out dancing you want to have an adventure like those are the people that you call because they're not going to they're not going to be the ones who are like i mean yeah like <laughs> like us uh saturn and saturn and domicile folks who are a little bit more cautious and even like responsible um you know what that yeah i think so the saturn true. and yeah saturn and Sag is just because, like, like i'm down we are so down and that is something that i have been sort of like wistful for like amongst my peer group because the 
like a, but I think it potentially comes from the Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and um, Aquarius folks coming up uh, at a younger age during the reception. Like y'all mm -hmm. were aware of the limits of adventure and the limits of fun and partying like sooner than we were, right? It was yeah. just, times are just different. And so therefore I, I feel like um, just from observation and like hanging out with my friends, it's like y'all are more equipped to deal with the, the challenges in some ways, not all the ways. I feel like the mm -hmm. exact conjunction um, Uranus and Saturn folks, like we're pretty agile. Like we, we can come up with a new plan on the dime, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's so true. Yeah. Um, it's such a fascinating conjunction for me because you got that, the Uranus, um, the Uranus Saturn and, and then the, the sat, like the 1989, 1988, 89 folks who have Saturn Neptune conjunction. Um, yes. yeah, that is, I don't envy them. <laughs> <laughs> I do not envy them. I mean, I've seen I, my ex had the exact conjunction and I was with him during his Saturn return. And, you know, I've had a lot of other friends who have that too. And I just, that just seems so difficult. Like the Saturn, I, I'm interested to hear what your Saturn return is like with the Saturn Uranus conjunction. Um, Cause I can see how that be, can be like just very disruptive and, um, mm -hmm. kind of like forcing you to have to make this intense pivot of some sort in your life. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but the Saturn, the Saturn Neptune folks in Capricorn, um, I just saw them struggle because they wanted so badly to build something and something that, uh, and like have something to show of like, yeah, build something and have it like be something that lasts and, um, like you know they want to like make their leave their mark on the world and in this like very tangible way but the neptune was just like what like that's not gonna happen right <laughs> you gotta figure it, out it another way to like, do that trying to hold water in your hands right like right. it's just exactly. gonna keep going right through so that's i think fun. them having to reckon with that like that I don't know where it is, but um, holding both like Neptune and Saturn, which like Neptune's like dissolve, dissolve, dissolve. <laughs> and Saturn's <Yeah. laughs> like build and make make it like, you know, like crystallize and make it real. Um, that just was, a, I saw that be like a huge struggle for a lot of people. It can be yeah. really painful. I think around, um, it was like a couple years ago, I had, um, Saturn um, transit my natal Neptune and that was just mm -hmm. a really incredibly painful transit because I think you you come up against the the limits of like hope and wishful thinking right and like mm -hmm. what you fantasize about building versus like the actual building materials that you actually have to build it with like you're yeah. like I'm gonna build this palace on a marble and you actually have like popsicle sticks and glue and you have to really get right with that, you know? So I imagine yes. the Saturn return experience there is like, probably felt a lot similar to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely had that experience too with Saturn transiting um, my Neptune. I 
I totally relate to that. Just, I remember like thinking, okay, I have this, I had this horoscope writing job and I was like, if I can just like keep doing this for X amount of months, then I'll have this much money to do X, Y, and Z. And, um, they like that job let me go. And so all of a sudden it was like this bubble popped and I was like, oh, this is reality. Like I, my dreams can't like, that's that's not the way to structure the dream i guess anymore um Mm -hmm. yeah so i totally relate to that saturn can be such a challenger but i have never felt more um myself or more i don't know just like good about what's going on than like after a saturn transit like looking back and seeing the sort of like it's like when you have worked really hard to like go to the gym or get really healthy and then your body starts to feel really good after that. You're like, wow, I'm mm-hmm. really proud of what I was able to yeah. do. You know, he's like a, a strength trainer. He's like, yeah. do one more, do one more. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Okay, so yeah. I'll move on from Saturn right quick because I, I want to ask you about uh, one of the things that I love on your Twitter feed that I think may have actually been the reason why I ended up following you. So you kept like popping up um, in my feed from different people I knew followed you. And like everything you said was so on point. I was like, Kara knows like, she's got a sense that she knows what's going on. So I love the way that you incorporate traditional astrology practices, particularly Hellenistic astrology through a modern lens. Um, and you make it really accessible. So things like annual perfections and zodiacal releasing and even to an extent like essential dignities. I had seen them talked about on Twitter at sort of this like really high level with like very buzzwordy, but like you bring it down to earth in a way that is so um, just helpful and clear and I love it. So I'm curious, like how did you learn those techniques and what inspired you to start using them and your readings or bringing them into your online presence? Oh, well, thank you for saying all that. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, it's really good to hear. Um, yeah, so very early on in me, like, learning astrology, it started, I started with books and basically, like, websites and trying to just soak up as much information. Um, and then, yeah, I got into a lot of books. And then I was like, there has to be some podcasts out there. So I started listening to different podcasts and I started listening to the astrology podcast very early on in the astrology podcast being a thing. So um, they just celebrated five years of um, doing their monthly forecast. And I've been listening for that long. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure I've been a patron for almost five years. Um, And so, yeah, I, Chris Brennan in the astrology podcast and Kelly Serkis and Austin Kopic. I, have learned so 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 much from that podcast um which is why i'm like you know we'll be a forever patron because um it's just such a valuable resource and so that's how i got introduced to like that's when i started switching to whole sign houses and um and that's how i got introduced to most of the techniques that i use um and i think for me like I just really needed, um, I think a lot of people feel this way, really needed like a system. Like I, I needed to figure out mm-hmm. how to approach the chart in a way that um, could be systematized. 
my chart ruler. We both are ruled by Jupiter and detriment, which I love. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, yours is in Gemini. I have Jupiter and Virgo. Um, I'm a Pisces rising, Jupiter and Virgo. And um, I, yeah, I needed a system like Virgos need, need to know like step one, two, three, four, whatever. And um, Hellenistic astrology, traditional astrology gives, gives me that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and allows me, it just works with my brain. Like I have Mercury and Sag, um, Jupiter and Virgo. And like, I, yeah, the way that I take in information is very kind of, I would say backwards and forwards and upside down at the same time. Yeah. Like it's very <laughs> nonlinear. Um, cause I'm looking at both, I, you probably relate to this, but like just needing to take in the whole and then the pieces kind of at the same time. Um, yeah. but yeah, Hellenistic astrology is really what, um, allowed things to start clicking for me. And, um, yeah, I'm like in the, in the process of developing a course, like a foundational, like, um, fundamentals course so that I could hopefully help other people with that too because I think a lot of people struggle with that when it comes to astrology like where do I even begin when I'm looking at a chart and also just like needing to understand um I think this is another part of it too is like the Saturn the Saturn the Capricorn piece and I think this is why there's been such a strong traditional revival amongst millennials, especially because hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. We, there's just like this, this, uh, love, I guess appreciation for the tradition and this desire to understand like the roots of things. It's also like a Pluto, Pluto and Scorpio thing, I guess, but um, wanting to like, yeah know where this comes from and like have some respect for that tradition and then um on top of that yeah the system of it i think it's just it's so like once you get into the traditional parts of astrology it's like it just becomes more and more mind-blowing and you just can dive deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole um that we've all it becomes really meta at a certain point you know it's yeah it's a lot it's for sure (laughs) i love it and i love that you described sort of the um the i had also kind of predicted a traditional revival of some kind with the saturn and capricorn like saturn return situation but it's been so interesting Mm -hmm. to see like see it evolve and see it become so popularized i think when i um started doing this work really publicly it was um there was like a huge surge in interest in astrology and like witchcraft especially um but the roots of the tradition just like weren't there or people hadn't it wasn't as well discussed or it wasn't you know uh it was there was a lot of cherry picking going on Mm -hmm. i think and so being able to give it that context i think and mix it up with the techniques that uh, you know, people have already been using. I think it is really special to see. And like, I, I, my heart gets really warm when I, when I think about the fact that like on Twitter, we've been able to go from like 
if you're a Scorpio, you're horny all the time. So like discussing <laughs> essential dignities, like I think yeah. that is a huge step forward and, and a very powerful thing. I agree. Yeah, I never ever like when I first started getting into astrology, I never imagined that it would be the way that it is now. Like I I remember just wishing that more people knew about it and being like I mean, now I like kind of, I'm like, maybe less people should know about it. <laughs> not, <laughs> That's not in that sense, but yes. <laughs> it really is, it really is. No, um, I guess, no, not in that sense, but I think I, I guess it makes me, it makes me excited that more people, especially younger people and like Gen Z millennials have mm -hmm. this. Cause I think that like, it's, it's so it's such a useful life tool and um our generations are so um disconnected from religion or any sort of mythos really like any collective mm -hmm. mythos and i think that astrology provides this connection that a lot of us crave like a connection to something larger um that a lot of us crave but you know have been I guess organized religion hasn't been um, the thing for us. <laughs> I'll just say yeah. that. Um, and so, yeah, I think astrology and tarot and other forms of spirituality and also traditional forms of spirituality and people just kind of reconnecting with their roots is a really powerful thing. Um, oh, yeah. And then, like, just the whole Pluto and Scorpio generation, as Kepacha said once, I've saw him speak at an eclipse festival in 2017 um oh, but he was like yeah he was like pluto and scorpio generation are the um reincarnated witches and magicians and priestesses from the past and that really resonated with me there's like we oh. we all came back and um we're all here to kind of re re-mystify and like infuse more spirituality and these like traditional mediums into the collective wow that's so beautiful i've never heard um pluto and scorpio interpreted that way but i'm all for it i come from <laughs> my astrology is very very informed by my magical practices like i feel like as far as my mentors and the things that i've studied like i've studied all different kinds of magic very very deeply like tarot and um, hermetic kabbalah and things like that and so i think it's really cool that you know that's i, I love that i'm obsessed <laughs> awesome um so speaking of bringing roots into astrology and getting context on the tradition so like you mentioned you are starting an astrology course which i think is going to be great um, and I think you mentioned you started teaching astrology already, as well as you're providing reading, readings, which I think is such an important service now that there's so much more demand for well-informed astrologers who really know the craft. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what do you think makes an amazing astrology teacher? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, looking at some of my favorite teachers, um, I will name drop Austin Kopic as in a, probably like top tier for me. And I think mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of people just because 
I kind of live and die by his um and um Gordon White's uh half year oh yeah on rune suit yeah. I've been listening to those yeah <laughs> sorry I mean to interrupt yeah. you yeah no no it's okay yeah um I mean Austin also has a Gemini moon <laughs> um oh fun and I his way with words just is very um I don't know I can I couldn't say more great things about it I think I'm just really taken by the depth of his knowledge and how it's more than like just astrology he just knows so many things and he's able to mm. convey um convey things in such like a uh how do I say this like a like a um I'm losing my words sorry should have put on my mercury That's talisman because okay. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> but uh but anyway yeah so him Demetra George is another like I haven't taken Absolutely. anything with her like one-on-one but she's a huge huge influence for me um you know yeah all her work is incredible um and yeah I would say in terms of like being a good teacher um that's such a good question. I think having confidence in the way that you te- like, you know, convey the information, but also I think having, yeah, just having, I guess, like a firm grasp on the tradition or on what you're, you're speaking on and then being able to convey it in a way that like, isn't, um, isn't too like high mind i guess so like being able to to convey information to people that you know or to i guess a wide variety of people like some people who don't who don't have like maybe the full like a great education or something or um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's like being able to talk to people just you know, not assuming that they have, um, yeah, like a huge level of, you know, or formal education or like a college education. I think, I guess just what I'm trying to say is making things really accessible um, and digestible, I think is like a huge thing. Because like with me having Mercury and in detriment and Jupiter in detriment and they're both like conjunct my angles and ruling my angles. Um, mm-hmm. Like making things digestible is huge for me because once you start using like all these huge words and, you know, start getting academic, like I, I'm very well educated, you know, I went to like a all girls private school for 12 years and like, I, you know, I went to college, whatever, I'm pretty educated, but that's just not the way that my brain takes in information, you know, <laughs> like, absolutely. it's, it's just, yeah. So for me, if you can boil things down and make it accessible and digestible, then that's like, that's, that's key for me. Yeah, I think that's so important. And honestly, if I'm being, uh, like, completely real, um, I, that was something that turned me off a little bit 
from learning Hellenistic astrology at first was I felt like mm -hmm. the way it was being communicated on Twitter was so like lofty or so technical that like I think that my Saturn and Sagittarius with the Uranus there just like wanted to rebel against it. I was like, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm feeling this. And then of course I tried the techniques and I experimented on like my husband and myself and my clients. I was like, wow, this is really affirming. This is really powerful. But yeah, I think the way that astrology is communicated is so important. Something that one of my main like operating principles of communicating astrology is that my husband that I just mentioned is wonderful as he is. Like he is not, he will ask me questions about like what's going to happen or, you know, what's a good day for this. But he's not like, um, what would you call it? Like proficient in the language of astrology, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So he'll be like, tell me what's going to happen, but don't use any astrology words. Yeah. And I think that is such an powerful practice for anybody who's learning how oh my to gosh, yeah. <laughs> communicate any technique. Like, I don't care if you're doing like, I don't care who your time lord is. I don't care whatever. Like, just tell me how that's going to, or tell your client how that's going to feel. Like, you can tell them what's happening so they can be aware, but then like, make sure that you're able to describe it in a way that like that either doesn't make them feel bad because they don't know the words or also makes right. them feel empowered to act on that knowledge you know exactly yeah and that's like an ongoing struggle i think it's just like when i first started writing horoscopes that was such a struggle for me <laughs> yeah um, it's really hard <laughs> it's it's so hard and yeah, I mean, but it's important. It's important to, to learn how to do. Um, and you don't want to fall into the other side either, which is like what I call astrology mad libs, which is like, <laughs> um, you know, like, okay, eighth house basically equates to like sex, psychic, uh, debts, mm -hmm. taxes, and you just like substitute words in like, that's not a good look either. That's lazy astrology. But like, come on, there has to be a happy medium. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and it is like you said it's just like it's a it's a really good practice um to keep kind of checking yourself in that way mm -hmm. i think so and it's like the beautiful thing about astrology is that you're always learning every day i mean we've both been doing this for a long time and i still learn things about my natal chart every freaking day i don't understand how it works yeah yeah exactly so speaking of planets being uh, dignified uh, well or not, so I'm very envious of your Venus. You have this like <laughs> beautiful Venus in Libra um, in the eighth house, which like I know that's not technically the greatest, but I feel like it's like very sultry and, and inviting and awesome. So from someone who has Venus in Virgo, which is <laughs> not so great, what advice do you have for working with the energy of Venus or understanding your own Venus placement? Like, I want to hear from oh, the yeah. one who has been like Aphrodite blessed. Yeah. Okay. I love that you brought this up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like staring at your chart and I've actually had a lot of clients lately who've had Venus and Virgo in aspect to the malefics. Like that's been a random theme for me really? lately. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and then with this Venus retrograde, it, I truly like it's been so such a blessing. And I mean, I know that like that's not the case for everyone, but for me, um, it's been trining my natal Venus. My natal Venus, like you said, is in, in Libra. Um, 
and I've just just been feeling it a lot. So mm. that plus also I um, I use a lot of Spear and Sundry products, and Spear and Sundry is a shop run by Caitlin Kopic, who is married to Austin Kopic, who and she's an amazing astrologer um, and mage, and she creates this these magical materia basically. Um, so she has, and I bring this up because I recommend um, her products a lot to clients, especially clients with Venus problems. <laughs> um, mm. So, and so to get into it, um, like my natal Venus in, in the eighth house. Yeah. So it's, it's painful for sure to have Venus in the eighth house. My Venus, there's a lot of other things that make it like not super great. Um, you know, it's a morning star Venus. It's, um, it's a day chart. So Venus is like less, less likely to kind of like help me out as much. Um, but I do have like great credit. I will say that like Venus in the eighth house <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gives me great credit. Um, and it makes it so that I'm able to like receive things from other people. Um, which is great um and like re receiving support i should say when so when i can tap into it um but advice for people like to get well i guess i'll start with just saying venus is the lesser benefic so you have jupiter as the greater benefic um and venus is the lesser benefic and a really good way to kind of like conceptualize this is jupiter um as a greater benefic can bring you like greater benefit a greater good thing so an example would be like um you have a really great jupiter transit and that gives you you know this amazing job and this job is like a dream job for you and it it means you're moving um you're moving to another country to to have this job and you're getting a huge raise and it's kind of like changing the course of your life in that way. That's kind of like the greater benefit. Right. Whereas Venus as a lesser benefit um, would be something more like, like a great Venus transit would be like going on a really, uh, like going on a date with a really hot person and um, you, you get really like the meal is amazing and you go back to their place and you listen to really good music and, you have like delicious dessert and then you have like bomb sex all weekend and you're just like having this very like pleasurable experience. Like that's a V mm -hmm. that's like Venus as a lesser benefic. It's not really changing your life in these like huge ways, but it's giving you like this direct experience of pleasure. And so, um, so yeah, that's what Venus is all about. It's all about like pleasure and, um, harmony and beauty and like aesthetics and kind of infusing or allowing you to kind of tap into the pleasurable things in life. Venus, Venus is, um, finds its joy in the fifth house, which is how the fifth house kind of gets the significations of sex and pleasure and creativity and joy. Um, those are all Venus things. And so to tap into Venus, to tap into your own Venus, you really have to, um, you know, kind of figure out 
what your Venus wants and needs, which you can see by the sign placement and then even going further into looking at the planet that rules your Venus. Um, Venus and Virgo is difficult because Venus, it, it's, it's, you know, Venus in its fall. Um, and a planet in this fall is basically in a lower place. So it doesn't have, um, it's not recognized, basically. It's hard to be seen or recognized um, if it's fallen. It's kind of like doing all the work, right. but not getting any recognition. Um, sure. And Venus and Virgo, like you got Venus who wants to just like chill out and like, you know, maybe drink a glass of wine and have a slice of cake and like experience pleasure um, or even like, you know, start, you know, get busy and like have some sex. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being in, being in uh, Mercury's uh, domicile, it's um, like Mercury is like, too, uh, we're too busy for that. Like we have to read these things and we have like a, a list of things to do and <laughs> we have work to get done. Like Mercury kind of, you're lucky because you're Mercury and your Venus are in each other's signs. So they kind of help each other out in that yes. way. Yes, yes. Um, but <laughs> I find that people who have Venus in Virgo and we're just Venus in aspect to malefics, they, um, it's harder, it's harder to relax. It's harder to get into that space of like, I'm just going to bliss out and like enjoy this just for the sake of enjoying it. Um, there's always like, especially with Saturn, like the spirit of Saturn, there's like conditions around experiencing pleasure. And then with like, you know, a, aspect to mars a hard aspect to mars but you also have um yes. it's like you know consequences almost or like um it's like pleasure always comes with a little bit of pain um yeah it's not always absolutely. but there is like this like either or sort of thing that comes with the opposition mm -hmm. um so yeah i would say for me like i've loved this venus retrograde because it's really help me tap into like what my natal Venus, like what actually does bring my natal Venus a lot of pleasure, um, mm. which I've realized like music is such a huge thing for my Venus, um, especially being Venus and Libra. But um, yeah, I've, I've really kind of like re rediscovered my, I mean, not that I ever stopped loving music, but I've realized how important it is to have, um, like I'm in my everyday experience and started like, you know, listening to music to fall asleep instead of watching TV to fall asleep or putting on music when I wake up instead of, you know, checking my social media accounts, I'll like dance in the oh, morning to like good. wake myself yes. up. Um, so things like that, just like infusing more pleasure and joy into my everyday experience through these like little Venusian, um, yeah, acts of just pleasure. Does that answer that. your question? I kind of rambled Absolutely. for a while. <laughs> that totally ends a beautiful ramble and it totally answers my questions. Yeah, I think awesome. that maybe the reason why it's been so difficult for me as an individual to get my mind around the con that concept is because I, I definitely have my own, like I always feel like, oh, well, I'm too busy for that or, oh, I should, there's a lot of coulda, shoulda, woulda with um, yeah the, the venus placement that i have but you know what i think there's i i think about everything through the lens of efficiency because i got that uh 
uh, Virgo situation going on. So I'm like, you know, I bet that would make your workday so much better if you woke up and danced <laughs> and actually had a good time. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll follow that. your lead on that. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, so we also share the fact that we're Scorpios, but you are like a super, super Scorpio. Um, <laughs> you have your son, Mars, and Pluto all together. And so I, I use a ton of asteroids in my work, and I saw that you have asteroid Urania, um, who's the muse mm. of astronomy and astrology, right on top of your Pluto, um, which I think is really special since obviously you've been like so connected to um, astrology and the celestial bodies since you were eight years old, apparently. Um, wow. But, right? Isn't that lovely? I didn't know um, about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's, like, right there with your son, so it's, like, a huge, huge major uh, part of your identity. One day, one day we'll really get into the uh, asteroid stuff. I've been thinking about, like, do I want to try and do a talk or, like, publish more about it? Because I've been doing lots of research on, like... Oh, you should. I would love... Hey, I mean, (laughs) just so you know, I'm also starting a podcast. (laughs) Okay, Um, So I would love to talk to you about, about that. I would love to talk to you about asteroids. I have pages and spreadsheets and just like, the problem is I don't know where to begin with it. It's that like Jupiter and detriment rolling your chart. Yes. I was about to say, I I mean, that's how people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of the other people I know who are really into asteroids is Alice Bolin, who is um, a Virgo. Like, yeah, she's a Virgo rising with, with Mercury and, and Gemini. And I just look at that, like, chart ruler in Gemini as, and even like chart ruler in, you know, Virgo, but especially you with chart ruler in Gemini being really, really into like these, the, these like, you know, small aspects of things like the, yeah. the many, like the aspect of like having a lot of different, I mean, there's what, tens of thousands of asteroids. Um, there's so many. Yeah. I love that. I, I really love that like you're into that I feel that. like you um, really get to flex the classic studies and like the English literature studies yes. on everybody when you like yes really dig into <laughs> the obscure asteroids <laughs> but, do you know anything um, I know I, my son or I have the asteroid um arachne conjunct my son and that has always like once I and Ortley actually is the first person to tell me that when I got a reading with her and that just like really spoke to me because I've always been into spiders um really like oh that's so interesting yeah yeah anyway sorry uh, i interrupted you i had noted that down too that you had arachne on your son which is really cool so i found arachne can be um a significator of someone who has like a a talent that is just like so innate like it it just comes so naturally to you like i imagine Mm -hmm. probably in your case it's astrology that mm. it can become like intimidating to other people, um, especially mm. with your Pluto right there. So obviously the story of Athena and Arachne where that they um, had a weaving contest and Arachne right. won and um, Athena didn't like that very much in Arachne, spider. There you go. Yeah, um, so, that's interesting. Like, so I also have Athena pretty close to my Scorpio stellium. Yeah, so there's something about that myth is like really, really important to your identity. I would keep a real close eye on it, especially um, as it relates to any of your ninth house dealings. So like publishing, writing, 
expanding your audience, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like I think it can just be someone who's a really excellent weaver of, of stories and words and, um, you know, connecting the dots, which I feel like um, if you actually look at the astrology chart, it's kind of like a spider web. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. You're like spider woman, but for astrology, it's beautiful. <laughs> that makes me um, so happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that, that we've identified your new Twitter bio. It's fine. Um, also on the asteroid front, I wanted to, I'm sure you've seen that you have Jupiter and Virgo, which is like right on top of Vesta and Psyche. Mm. And we've talked about Vesta a lot on this podcast. And I feel like, I know you're an activist as well. And like Vesta being of such strong service and then Psyche really like digging deep into the why behind that. Like I find that to be an incredibly powerful chart, especially since it's ruling your entire chart. Um, I actually, I had followed you before this, but the first time I heard you actually speak on anything was the Juneteenth and um, Black Astrologer Roundtable video, which was mm -hmm. like, it was really long. It was like two or three hours long. But when it was over, I was like, I wish I could hear more of this because it's an amazing <laughs> group of individuals. Um, but I did, I wanted to ask you about like anti-racism efforts in the astrology community, which is kind of interesting. I feel like, you know, things blew up and people are really doing a lot of the very good work um, after the death of George Floyd, but now it's kind of quieting down. And so I'm thinking about like, how can we as a group sustain that? So basically, like, what can we do to make participating in the astrology community a better experience for Black astrologers? Or just overall, like, how can we use our talents to make the world better for the Black community? Yeah, I think, um, I guess what comes to mind is just, like, visibility is such a big thing. I think, like, when mm -hmm. I first started, I first kind of, like, entered the community, I didn't, I didn't know like any black astrologers at first. And then um, seeing Sam Reynolds speak on the astrology podcast, like early on was huge for me um, because it made me realize like, Oh, okay. We're out there. Like we're actually like some of us are, are part of this community. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like throughout time hearing things like Sam speak about how there's, I don't, I'm, the numbers are escaping me, but, um, something like 60 some percent of black Americans, um, believe in or use astrology as compared to like 40 or even 30 some percent of white Americans. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah. It's just so like the, like the demographics of like the population who use and are into astrology don't really, um, don't at all isn't reflected at all within like who you see speaking or who, like the astrologers you see as more mainstream um in the community Absolutely. and so um i think just like with that information like knowing that you know there are black people who are very much into astrology and there are a lot of black astrologers and to i think bring to kind of create more unity within the community i think there just needs to be we need to continue to uplift black astrologers and um you know i guess 
that there's that like you know uplifting black astrologers so that they know other other astrologers know that you know we're here and that there is there are black people in this community and it's not as white as it seems um but also the flip side of that is just like access and um things like using more inclusive language using um more inclusive like chart examples even like when we're talking about or using chart examples not just using like you know the stereotypical like white famous people that you know of um (laughs) (laughs) um, talking about yeah and I guess other things like I'm really into accessibility and like just access in general so like making your courses and your readings accessible and that looks like like offering sliding scale readings um or things like you know to like scholarships to classes or sliding scale for classes things like that um just like i for example i offer um sliding scale readings for anyone who identifies as queer or trans um black indigenous or person of color um and so yeah i think just like the acknowledgement and like looking making sure that you're checking yourself um mm-hmm. is important i was just on Marin altman's uh podcast with six uh black women cry and we were like what six said was like check your ego at the door um when we were talking about this topic and just like mm-hmm. yeah being here to like listen and observe and also like uplift i think it's just a huge part of it like Mecca Woods was the first black woman astrologer to publish a book in like, I don't know, a couple of decades. And that's that was not, yeah, but that was not like, a like that's something that should have been talked about and celebrated within the community, but like, it just was not. Um, right. <laughs> and yeah, like, so things like that, just being more, being more aware and um and yeah like just really thinking about what people can do on like on the individual level i think is a big part of it mm-hmm. i've definitely seen a lot more people offering like scholarships and sliding scale which i think is a really good thing and mm-hmm. yeah i i love that you shared that um statistic about um 60 of black people believing in or somehow using astrology which in my experience has definitely not been reflected um you know in the people that i don't know maybe you see speaking on panels or that you see getting mm-hmm. more press for doing this work and so yeah i think it is really important to you know promote visibility and uplift as much as we possibly can right i was yeah. i remember being mad when i when i heard um on the Juneteenth roundtable, like about Mecca being the first black woman to publish a book in however many long years. I was like, we should have been shouting that from the rooftop. But right, I guess exactly. that's the where it's like having the conversations to be able to publicize and really celebrate those things when they happen. Right. Yeah. And and I would say like paying like hiring black astrologers. <laughs> that's that's a big yeah. part of it too. Um and I said it was on the round table, but like I kind of got started like last year especially with 
people um, like recommended me for certain jobs and like Mecca recommended me for a big job. Um, uh, like the book that I wrote, Pisces, like um, Colin Bedell recommended me to the publisher for that. Um, so yeah, just like hiring astrologers, paying them well, because that's a whole nother thing. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All of that is another big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a, a good point about recommending people. Um, that's one thing that I like about having this podcast is being able to like shout people out when I think someone's super awesome. Like I remember looking mm -hmm. at your feed and being like, wow, she knows this like traditional stuff up and down in a way that <laughs> I need people to know this, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think yeah. So many of the folks that I know that have Virgo and Jupiter are really um, strong activists in in some ways. So I I can see that definitely being a really powerful part of your life. Thanks. Yeah, I never, I I personally like would never call myself an activist. I don't know if I I don't it's know if, I'm, website, if I do anything. <laughs> Is it? No, I think I call myself an organizer. An organizer. Organizer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's more Virgo. I mean, that's what I, I do. I'm like in the I love very... that you are like specificity with words. Organizer. <laughs> well, it's because like I feel like organizer is a great word for like that's a great word for me because I do yeah. do a lot of organizing. Like I, I'm the person who brings people together. Um, I can get people like all in the same room, virtual room, whatever um mm. to kind of like get things going and i'm literally like the one who's scheduling things and like i i play a very virgo organizing role in like most of the things i'm a part of or spearheading even so yeah that's kind of why mm -hmm. i say organizer um yeah i don't know i feel i don't feel like i've i'm at the point where i can call myself an activist i mean i you know, yeah. I'm definitely into activism, but I don't know if I've done enough yet to, to call myself an activist. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really like cool and and humble to be able to like look objectively and be like, I don't think that I have like earned the title of that. And I think that speaks volumes about your character too. You know what I mean? Like that you would, um, you know, even like consider like, Maybe I haven't made it to the level of activist yet, but you know, just yeah. being that thoughtful about things is is really really good. So, we, I'm I'm glad you're using your Jupiter powers for good, <laughs> Virgo powers. We all need more of that. Um, yeah. So before you go, can you tell us where we can find you online? Yeah. Um. My website is the astrology. Um, uh, yeah, the astrology.com. And mm -hmm. uh, there's no A in that, by the way. It's just the astrology. Um, and then my Instagram handle is at the astrology. My Twitter handle is at the astrology underscore. Um, I'm on YouTube, although there's not much on there yet, but uh, there's a YouTube page. Um, the astrology and yeah i think that's basically where i'm at yeah 
Lovely. Okay. Well, I'll make sure to list all that in the show notes and also be sure to tell me, I will keep an eye out when your Hellenistic course comes out and I will give that a shout out as well. Um, yeah, that'll be like next year. It's like a, a long-term project okay. I'm working on. Oh. But in the meantime, I am, um, <laughs> I am like going to launch my podcast at the end of the summer. And, um, also when is this coming out by the way? I want to know if um, I should say this yet. <laughs> it should be um, next Wednesday. So like okay. first, second week of July. Okay. So I haven't, um, I will not have announced it yet, but um, I will just say that I have a big announcement <laughs> okay. coming in mid-July. Um, so like a week after this comes out, I will be announcing that. Um, okay. And then I'll be, I'll be at, um, the queer astrology conference uh, I'm doing a talk for that and that's gonna be right after this comes out so that's the 11th and 12th I think yes. the 10th 11th mm-hmm. and 12th 10th 11th 12th um yeah my talk is on the 10th and then I'm also doing a black astrologers roundtable for that as well on the 10th so I'm, I'm really excited about that I'm doing a talk called how to survive your 20s using astrology and Ooh, that's um, a good one okay yeah amazing. i'm really excited for that um so i'm really so, yeah, excited that's... for the lineup of that conference yeah it should it's be really really good um and yeah there's another summit i'm going to be a part of uh in august and then there's also the fresh voices in astrology summit coming up in august so there's a lot there's a lot coming but uh yeah that's I think everyone should check out the Queer Astrology Conference. It's going to be really, really good. Agreed. I co-sign that for sure. Definitely check it out. Well, I am excited. Thank you so much for nerding out with me on astrology for over an hour. And um, yeah, it was delightful. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure.